0: Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria.
1: Cutting power costs through ag tech and renewables can result in unexpected benefits. In some instances, it can be days of labour saved each week. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and this was the case for Sandra Jefford, Co owner and manager of Willandra Farms. The dairy property's huge power bills were going to drive her and her family out of business. So they took action and installed renewable power sources and also ag tech energy saving solutions. To discuss them in detail, she joins me for this AgVic Talk podcast. Sandra, thanks for your time. That's all right. Sandra, you run a dairy farm. Whereabouts is this farm and and, and what sort of size are you talking in terms of property and cattle that you're running on?
0: I farm with my husband, Wilco Droppett, and our son, Luke, and staff. We came here about 11 years ago after we were dairy farming in West Gippsland. The farm is about 870 acres, but out of that We've got about 450 acres of good centre pivot irrigation and we're milking about 380 cows year round.
1: It's a reasonable size property, 380 cows, but I think probably what a lot of people don't really appreciate with dairy operations is you guys chew through a bit of electricity. How much electricity were you using a year?
0: Well, this is an irrigation dairy farm, so our average annual rainfall is about 600 mil in a good year, but we're on sandy loam soil and we do do quite a lot of irrigation. And we're not on the local water channel system. We pump all of our water out of bores and from the Avon River. And the energy bills were huge. We were using about 500,000 kilowatts of electricity a year and 70% of that was for irrigation and the balance was in the dairy.
1: Those must have been massive power bills, that'd be an understatement, and that was before the power spike of this year.
0: That's right, they were huge bills, and we'd come from a high rainfall area, I'd never been involved in irrigation before, and I was really shocked at the size of the bills. So um, we realised we had to do something to review that, because it, it just wasn't viable for a farm of our size to have those sorts of bills.
1: And a percentage of that was also diesel, I understand, because not all the pumps were connected to electricity.
0: That's right. We were using quite a lot of diesel to pump the water out of the dam. Diesel has more than doubled in the last 18 months. So we're very pleased that we've been able to get away from those big diesel bills at the dam. We've still got diesel bills for the tractors and um, we've got a couple of pivots that run on diesel but we'll look at um, how we can electrify those things in the future.
1: So you're faced pretty much with the decision of either find another way of generating power, or it sounds like get out of where you were farming. So obviously you're still there. What was your first step in trying to resolve this issue?
0: Sustainability Victoria had a grant scheme available back in about 2018, where you could apply for a grant to have an energy audit done. So we did that and we were introduced to a fantastic auditor, a guy called Rob Welke from South Australia, and he's a pumping system specialist. And because it was our irrigation pumping system that we really needed to review, it was great to have Rob come over here for three or four days and he really reviewed the whole system.
1: Well, the review sounds substantial to say the least. So what did he recommend that you start putting in? place
0: he gave us a report that reviewed all components of the irrigation system and he gave us very detailed recommendations for what we could do at each site to reduce the amount of power that we needed so that included things like putting variable speed drives in place increasing pipe diameter His report was so good, we wanted to generate our own clean energy because we could see not only did we have the big power bills, but we're also responsible for really big greenhouse gas emissions and we didn't want to be in that situation. So soon after we had the energy audit report, we went off and found somebody who could help us look at renewable energy and they developed a renewable energy action plan that matched our energy needs to what we could generate.
1: I'd imagine that plan would involve a bit because you're using quite a bit of energy. So what have you started to put in place to generate your own power?
0: It was quite a long development process. And this is, like a lot of farms, it's quite complicated because different owners in the past have bought different titles and put them together. You've got these invisible title lines, but when you generate power, you can't actually put the power over a tidal line at the moment so what we ended up with was 200 kilowatts of solar panels but they're at two different sites there's 50 kilowatts at one bore and there's 150 kilowatts of solar at another site a long way from the bore with the 50 kilowatts and that solar power is used to provide power to two pumps that get the water out of the dam and we've installed a private power line to get that solar power to another bore that um, we use to get the water into the dam. So that system is all operating and the energy system is integrated with the irrigation management system. There's also a water height sensor in the dam so the system knows whether or not we need to be dumping water into the dam. And still to come, there'll be two 15 kilowatt wind turbines located near the 150 kilowatts of solar panels, because we're quite close to Lake Wellington, which is to the east of us, and pretty well every afternoon through our irrigation season from September to April, we get an easterly wind. And that will usually continue after the sunset. So we're hoping that's going to extend the period with which we can be irrigating with our own power. There's quite
1: a bit going on there. I just want to go back one step. I'm really surprised that you have this impediment in terms of you've got a bunch of titles, but technically you can't move power across your own boundaries?
0: I believe it's an international situation which is slowly being reviewed but it's a policy change that's required.
1: Obviously you found a way to work your way around it but it it sounds like an unnecessary piece of the jigsaw that you had to resolve.
0: Well we haven't resolved it because we were initially hoping that we were going to be allowed to run an on-farm microgrid so that would have meant that some of the power that's being generated at the back of the farm could be directed to the dairy whilst we're milking so that we could be using our own energy at the dairy but so far that hasn't eventuated and um, we're still using grid power to power the dairy which is disappointing but Hopefully in the future, things will change because there's a lot of other farms like ours and it would be better for the grid overall if farms were able to use their own power in that way.
1: I would imagine too that that issue needs to be resolved so that you can actually develop a micro grid for farms around you. So you could all be sharing power.
0: That's right, because we know that we're on a fairly short sort of power supply line, but there's two other dairy farms on the same line. And if they want to do something similar to what we've done and put in a lot of solar panels, our line won't cope when we're not using the power. So it would be much better overall if this line was managed and all of the other lines around the country.
1: Now, managing all of this power, it comes on at various times. So you mentioned earlier that you have some technology in place to deal with the variability of renewable supplies.
0: We all know that solar power is very variable and so is wind. So with having the variable speed drives on the pumps at the bores and the river means that... If we've only got a small amount of power, then that pump can start really slowly and we're dumping the water in the dam. So the dam is like a big battery. It is storing the water ready, which makes this system work really well. And then once we've got enough power to run the pivots, then they start and the pumps start at the dam to get the water to the pivots. So the management system is really important. If you were to try and put solar panels at a bore and hope to run the pivot it won't work because you don't have that constant supply of power. So the dam in the middle is really important. Before we started this project, we used to double pump a lot of water. So we would pump it from, for example, the river or the bores, dump it in the dam using grid power, and then we would use the diesel to pump it out again. And I hated that double pumping because I thought it was costing us so much. But now, Pumping it twice is actually the perfect solution because we're using our free power to get the water into the dam. Then again, we pump it out using our renewable energy when we've got it available. We do have some battery storage, just a small amount. There's 56 kilowatt hours of battery storage, but we actually haven't started using that yet. So that'll come online for this next irrigation season.
1: Sandra, I imagine that in amongst all of this, there's quite a bit of labour saving as well. You or your husband must have been spending quite a bit of time driving around turning pumps on and off and now it sounds like a lot of that's automated.
0: We had no idea how much time we were going to save and we think it's about 15 hours a week because somebody had to drive to the pivot to start with, start that, then drive to the water sources and there's, there would have usually been two water sources. So you had to go to, for example, the dam and start that and then maybe go to the bore and start that. Another thing that's changed is that we used to do most of the irrigation at night using off-peak power. Now, because we're using our solar power, we're irrigating during the day. So that means if there's a problem with a pivot, we know about it. Our phone tells us or we see that the lights stop flashing. So you can go and fix the problem straight away. Whereas with our old system with irrigating at night, if I woke up in the middle of the night, I went and checked that lights were flashing. If a light had stopped, it meant I had to wake somebody up and say, sorry, you've got to go out. It stopped because with our old system, we didn't have any automation and the water supply didn't know that the pivot had stopped. So the water just kept pumping, which was terrible for the soil underneath the pivot. It was getting waterlogged. It was a waste of water and it was a waste of energy pumping that water going nowhere. So it was a terrible situation and we've changed all of that. So the changes have been really dramatic, much greater than we expected really. And we, we're not responsible for those greenhouse gas emissions anymore.
1: I understand there's other energy efficiency measures that you've put in place, particularly in the dairy?
0: We've done some work in the dairy. So the first thing we did was replace old vacuum pumps with a new vacuum pump. So that was an easy change. We've put in quite a lot of um, sensors and monitoring equipment, and that's been great. So that monitors... Uh, power use and temperatures at various points through the dairy. And that can send us alerts if we have a problem. For example, if milk temperature increases during the night, there's obviously a problem. So we need to know about that. In the same way, if the hot water isn't up to temperature, we want to know about that. And that system is allowing us to monitor the changes that we make in the dairy. We've also installed a CO2 heat pump, which we were a bit nervous about at the start because it's so expensive. It's a lot more expensive than putting in a conventional hot water service, but it uses apparently about a third of the power. But it's not as easy as we would like. It's certainly not as easy as a conventional hot water service, and we had a lot of problems. So At this stage, we're not big fans of the heat pump. We've got other changes to make, but the changes were based on having a microgrid, because if we were able to use some surplus power from other parts of the farm during the middle of the day, we would be chilling water so that once we're milking in the afternoon, we can chill the milk very quickly with this chilled water but because the microgrid's on hold we're still tossing up what we should do so we've had 29 kilowatts of solar at the dairy for about four years now which is helping us to some extent but we'll review whether we need more renewable energy at the dairy or whether the microgrid's going to be feasible so we've got more work to do at the dairy
1: Well, it sounds like you've done a massive amount of work and monitoring keeps on coming up in this in terms of, well, we just get notifications. I understand you've even taken that to your herd as well in terms of monitoring each cow so that you're not having to physically check all the time.
0: Yes, like a lot of other farms, we applied for grant through the Internet of Things And we were able to buy the collars for the cows. We'd used something very similar a few years ago. We had four robots to milk the cows. We didn't go well with the robots. And we sold those and went back to a conventional herringbone dairy. But we had to return the collars as well or sell the collars, which was disappointing because we knew how good they were and the benefits that they offered us. So, yes, we've gone back to the collars and they're fantastic for when you're joining, you know, which cows are on heat. We've put in a draft gate that works with the cow collars. So it's really easy to get the cows for joining drafted into the side yard. So we're very happy with that system. And that's giving us a bit of energy saving as well, because we used to check the cows to see which cows were on heat, ready for joining four times a day. So we don't have to do that at all now. The phone just tells us in the morning which cows are ready for joining. They get drafted, they're joined. So um, it's a very good system.
1: Sandra, you've done so much work. My mind is struggling trying to conceptualise how much work. It's a lot of money too. What are you looking at in terms of a return on investment, your payback period for all of this?
0: We think it's going to be about seven years. That was the calculation that was done before we started the work. Because this wasn't a typical irrigation season this last year, we'll do more number crunching after this next irrigation season. But the costs of power associated with our main metre for irrigation were previously about 24 cents per kilowatt hour. And this last irrigation season, that was down to minus three cents per kilowatt hour.
1: That's phenomenal. So if you've got seven year payback period, your profit line is going to be looking very healthy going into the future.
0: It's very exciting, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well, you've got rid of this massive ongoing cost and you've really changed the dynamics of your business into the future.
0: It's really exciting. There's so many benefits that we haven't expected. And with climate change, we wanted to show that farmers are part of the solution. People keep going on about methane emissions from cows, but farmers can change so much on the farm that we're good for the future of the planet
1: we are also very important for the future of Planet because I've got a vested interest in eating, as we all do, so <laughs> it's a really interesting balance that you try and strike. Lastly, what would your key piece of advice be, Sandra, for other farmers that hear this and go, I want to undertake an energy journey?
0: First thing I'd recommend, everybody should have an energy audit done by an auditor that they have a good relationship with. They've got to trust and have ownership of the report that comes back, because we've spoken to other farmers who've had an audit report, and they've got no ownership, they do have no attachment to the recommendations, and they haven't taken much action. Whereas ours is on my desk, we've used it so much, we were just so lucky we met the right auditor, and we've implemented his recommendations and gone a whole lot further, because we met the right business that develop the renewable energy action plan and the next thing would be go and look at other farms that have done something and see whether that's going to be applicable on your farm look at how you can shift the load that is do things when you've got the renewable energy i can't see the point in putting all the solar panels on the dairy facing north when you do nothing in the dairy in the middle of the day. And that's what we did. But now that I can see, you know, the benefits of having the panels facing north and east and west, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, it, it makes perfect sense to me as well, and I know nothing about this, but I've learnt so much from speaking to you, Sandra Jefford, owner and manager of Willandra Farms. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights with us on this Ag Vic Talk podcast.
0: Thanks, Drew. Thank you for listening to AgVIC Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts.